my god, I'm too. This isn't working. <laughs> Meditation is not a competition, that. I know. Uh, by the way, you weren't playing fair because as I was meditating, you were eating tuna salad and <laughs> moving so around. Quiet. Well, didn't work. You're still beating. You're just, <laughs> yeah, destroyed it. I feel it all, I feel it all. 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 Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I know it's been a few weeks since we last released an episode, and I will uh, totally fess up to being a bit of a procrastinator. I uh, had a lot of things going on, but also uh, I kind of hate doing intros. <laughs> and I uh, didn't always used to do intros, and then a few months ago started doing them just to, you know, let people know what was going on in the episode, and that was a huge bottleneck for me. I always had a hard time getting it right and my OCD just made me uh, you know record delete record delete just trying to get it right 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 and it never felt like I could get in a good flow um, someone who just likes to you know get it on the first take and make it sound natural and make it make it sound right so the process was super excruciating so I'm doing this without a net I'm just gonna talk and just tell you what's going on and I think it's important to embrace your mistakes. So I'll listen back to this and I'll pretend like there's no race button. And if there's ums and ahs and likes and pops and clicks, then that'll have to be okay. But that's how we're going to do it from now on. Um, on the episode today, I have uh, my good friend, holistic nutritionist, lifestyle coach, biohacker, Nat Nidham. And we're going to talk about meditation and this cool little toy called the Muse headband, which is a cool piece of technology that we reviewed. Uh, a few episodes back, but I got a chance to actually take one home and start using it and I gotta say it's really uh, Improved my life in many ways. I'm not getting paid to say it. No one's telling me to say it I really believe this thing is uh, Great for all people whether you're an experienced meditator or someone who's just starting out for the first time. So uh, You know listen uh, th Listen to this episode if you want to get uh, more info on the muse headband I know some of you've probably seen it around and uh, we also get into some other stuff, uh, some other products. There's some uh, new protein powders on the market that are made with bone broth. And there's a lot of folks out there talking about bone broth, making bone broth. We get into all that and this new protein powder, which is a totally new and different way to, to get your bone broth needs fulfilled. So uh, we talk about that and a lot of other stuff. So thanks for bearing with this uh, hopefully imperfect intro and uh, enjoy the episode. Do you want to tell the people what we just did? No, because I don't like to lose. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny today came in very excited because he got his first Muse headband. I've had my headband for a long time, but apparently I don't use it enough because he then, of course, in typical Danny fashion, challenges me to a three-minute muse um, off. <laughs> a meditation battle. Which, which I'm reasonably confident the whole point of meditation is not to compete. But having said that... You were wrong. That's, I was wrong. That's how we do it. So I essentially spent three minutes trying hard to compete in meditation, meaning that in muse talk, it rained like hell. There were no birds. There was some <laughs> crackling of things. And um, I lost. <laughs> okay, so the most important point there was that you lost and I won but mm -hmm. let's let's kind of unpack what mm. you just said why don't um, we do that yeah. let, let's start with the muse we reviewed it uh, a few episodes back but do you want to tell the people what a muse headband is yeah for sure so a muse headband is this really fantastic tool for meditation um, and so of course a meditation purist will tell you you don't need a tool for meditation it would to have a tool would be the antithesis in, to some people of meditation but for those of us with very busy minds and who are really, um, who get captivated by gadgets and things, the Muse headband is a really great tool mm -hmm. 
to meditate and to get feedback on your meditation so that you get a sense of where you're at on any given day. And the feedback that you get is instantaneous, right? So you pick your uh, soundscape, as it were. I think there's a rainforest, there's a beach soundscape, there's a city soundscape, which I tried to use a couple of times. It is completely destroys me. Mm -hmm. I I can't. I I have more on that in a second, actually, because I experienced something very interesting during my meditation. Exactly. So, but, but anyway, so you get all these soundscapes. So, so it measures your brain app, activity. Right? There's, there's an, an app. app. And um, yeah, the, so that's where you're listening to this stuff. So, as the headband is on, the app is is doing stuff, right? Yeah, the the headband is communicating with your phone with Bluetooth. The app is generating a soundscape. The headband is is measuring your brain activity as you are focusing on quieting your mind. Uh, through the whole process and mm-hmm. the rewards and so there's these really interesting little rewards the busier your mind gets let's say in your rainforest soundscape the heavier it's going to rain mm-hmm. the quieter more wind or wind right. yeah and then the quieter your mind gets the more birds there are that you can hear in the background and the lighter the rain gets um, so and they've actually changed this over the last couple of years right in the last couple of months it used to be that you'd hear the birds coming and you'd hear the birds going and apparently they discovered that the birds flapping away in and of themselves were a distraction. <laughs> it was stressful to people. They were like, what? The birds are leaving. So um, so anyway, so they've gotten rid of the birds leaving. Um, and then at the end, and then you pick the duration of your meditation. Mm-hmm. I think there's a three minute, a five minute, a seven minute, a 12 minute, and then a custom. So you could, you could mm-hmm. go for as long as you really want. The cool thing, apart from all the other cool things is that at the end of your session you get an analysis of your meditation session uh, it's both graph there's graphs there's little awards you get a serenity award when you're a certain amount of quiet but you also um, get an idea of how many recoveries right and so when we talk about meditation practice we are practicing something and the recoveries are as important as the time you spend in deep meditation. Certainly for people like me who find this more challenging, those recoveries are really accomplishments for us. Mm -hmm. Every time we can be up in our little monkey brain and come back down and get grounded again, is an accomplishment, and that, in a sense, the is the whole point of a meditation practice. Skill. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you get to save your sessions, and so over time you can compare. So it's really, I, I'm, I mean, I love the Muse headband because I, again, as someone who's never formally been mm-hmm. taught how to meditate, it's an incredible tool to get feedback and to understand, and sometimes also not to fall asleep because you know there's a <laughs> falling asleep thing that happens sometimes. Um, it's kind of like a Fitbit for your brain. Yeah, exactly. So why don't you tell us about your meditation, Danny? Because oh, you your meditation that. was much more successful yeah. than how many my points, meditation. How many points did you get? None. I don't know. No, you got points. I'm sure I got points. That's you only got because participation points. I got participation points. Okay, well, I'm going to turn my phone back on because I turned it off. Okay. But why don't you tell us about your meditation? Um, so yeah, we, we both did. The challenge was let's both do three minutes before the podcast and... Uh, whoever gets the most points, which is, I guess, an aggregate of the amount of time that you spend in a calm state yeah. or a neutral state or an agitated state, mm-hmm. right? And so I spent the most time <laughs> in a calm state. So I got You actually got points. to a calm state. I got to a, I got to a pretty deep calm state. I've been using this thing uh, since Friday, and uh, I think that was the deepest I've gotten, which is really crazy because it was only a three-minute meditation. Uh, it was... It's in the middle of the day in our office. There's tons of stuff going around. There's music. You're flirting there's with bragging. I'm just putting it out there. I am bragging. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah but I've, I've, you know, I've had more experience. But, yeah, you have. Um, but I'm sure you could beat me with enough practice. Uh, but the and, and that was pretty cool. Uh, I think to to that I, I was telling you that three minutes felt like an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know you're, you're getting there, right? When yeah. you suspend, it's a suspension of time. Mm-hmm. Is really what you're aiming for. So if you're truly in the moment, there is no continuum yeah. of time. You're just operating in a yeah. In we a slip right continuum. through the uh, yeah the yeah. time space continuum, all that stuff. But anyway, definitely felt the relaxation effects. What was really interesting, and you mentioned it uh, about the street sounds and traffic sounds. That's one of the options for the app that you can use um, city sounds to give you feedback. And again, as the the audio, as your brain waves 
change, maybe you become more agitated or more distracted, the feedback changes through the app, which is really cool because a lot of people don't really know if they're doing it right or not. So this gives you a really handy tool to use to let you know that you are in uh, a calm state or an agitated state. And sometimes we don't actually know if we are or aren't. But I was in a super deep state about a minute and a half in, and all of a sudden I heard a horn. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, uh, and this was coming not from the app, this was coming from outside. And it didn't like bug me, but I heard it and my brain had to pay attention to it. And I could feel myself slipping out of that deep state. And then I kind of coasted down and got a little more calm. And then when the meditation was over and I looked at the app, I could see that exact moment on the, uh, uh, on the I guess, the, uh, the sine waves, mm-hmm. right? You get, you get your uh, post-meditation report. And I can see that exact moment when the horn uh, went off and I went from a very calm state to a very agitated state, even though I wasn't super agitated, but my brain had to reply to that noise, right? My brain had to have some kind of a, um, I guess, a relationship to that noise. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I mean, it kind of made me think that, hey, we're, we're walking down the street and uh, on a day-to-day basis, and there's all these things just kind of going off and all these sounds and triggers. So it's no wonder nobody's really calm anymore because all yeah, these things pulling you away. are pulling yeah. you away. And it's weird because I think we all intuitively know that these things mm-hmm. are distracting, but it was there's something about seeing it you know, seeing your brain react to it in the moment. And I definitely got that sense of, um, you know, knowing that that had happened in the meditation and then trying to actively come back from that through breathing and through just relaxing more and not freaking out mm-hmm. and trying to get those birds to come come back. Damn birds. Damn birds, yeah. And <laughs> I did, and mine was not so catastrophic. I'm just here What did you get? What was your, how many so scores? So out of three minutes, I did 30 seconds calm, okay. which in my world is not so bad. And most of my time was neutral. Okay, that's not bad. And then only 14 seconds were active. And I got seven recoveries and 226 calm points. So in the grand scheme of the world, where I'm a person who um, generally meditates alone in a very quiet place. So Uh right now I'm here. First of all, I'm in a room with somebody else, which I'm not accustomed to. Secondly, we can hear the gym noises. We Mm -hmm. can hear the street noises. So... Although I did not beat you in this particular challenge. Not this time, but... Um, I actually think that it's it's not a bad result for me within the context of where I usually am in, in a meditation. So, because um, usually what I get... What does that say I now get, on my screen? How many points? It gets 367 okay. points. Also, he got two awards. I got none. You got no... <laughs> I never get no awards. I always get awards. Well, you need to come to my power hour class more. I come to your power I know. I've been coming. Uh, we'll get into that. Um... Anyway, I, I've been meditating since high school. I'm not kidding when I say this. I was maybe meditating for like four hours a day in some uh, in some stretches. Yeah, You're I would kidding. do I would do six six very long meditations daily at the height of my uh, practice, and I probably was maybe months or maybe a year removed from maybe being a monk. Like I was super deep into it. This was in high school. Really? Yeah, I, I got really heavily into. Um, Tibetan, uh, Tibetan Buddhism, and you know, ultimately went a different way with it as far as how I, I looked at mindfulness, and, and I was much more interested in doing things in the real world and not being a monk. Not to say they they don't do things in the real world, but for me, it was much more, um, I think, engaging to look at other ways to incorporate uh, mindfulness and, and and higher values into my life and 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 maybe work. And so I've done a lot of it in different ways and different teachers. I'm going to say, this is a really cool tool. Mm-hmm. It, well, it makes meditation accessible to so many more people. All you need to, I mean, I'm not, it, I'm it not, is a, it's a higher price point. So it's a couple hundred bucks to get your, although I think it's they come have down, a Cyber been, Monday. Yeah. Oh, but by the time you guys are listening to this, this will be long gone. There'll be a Boxing Day sale. Sure. Um, it's definite. There are a couple hundred dollars, but you know what? They last forever. The customer service from these guys mm-hmm. is Phenomenal. I had one die on me, and they were amazing yeah. about the whole thing. Well, so. f- f- full disclosure, uh, they're you know they're not paying us to say this or anything like that. I Nat reviewed hers uh, on the show a little while ago, as we mentioned, and I have a friend who's a, a neuroscientist, and she's working with these guys, so I got a chance to demo one. And again, it's not something I would have probably gone out and bought, but now that I have it, I don't see me not having it anymore. You poo pooed mine. I didn't poo-poo it. Oh yeah, no, you. What did I say? Been. You said, oh, 
On the episode? <laughs> no, not no. on the episode. Okay. <laughs> Aside from the episode. But, but it's almost one of those things I'm you have to- skeptical of these things You have first, to try yeah. it to really understand the value of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and anyway, so for people who have interest in building a meditation practice and- It's like training wheels own, for the brain. It's brain training. Yeah. It's like anything else, right? It's, it's a way of training your brain. Yeah, I, I mean, we haven't had a lot of, um, you know, feedback mechanisms for the brain really until recently, uh, you know, but we, we use them all the time in, in fitness, right? We, mm. we have heart rate monitors, we have, uh, you know, calorie trackers, and even CrossFit to some extent is a feedback loop with, sure. uh, you know, when you're in a class measuring and you're your being coached, yep. you're measuring and measuring and this whole quantified self movement. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's kind of, like a big runaway train. There's all these products coming at us from all sorts of different directions. And that's why I'm initially skeptical when I hear about stuff like this. Of course. But I'll tell you, this is a, this is a pretty cool tool. So if anybody really wants to have a meditation, mindfulness practice, even a breathing practice, and uh, they, they're stuck, they don't know if they're doing it right, they don't necessarily want to go to a class, uh, this is definitely a good option. And even for those who are much more experienced, I think it's kind of a cool thing to, uh, to use in conjunction with your practice because I think the scientific aspect of it and being able to measure brain waves is a good complement to mm-hmm. uh, just what you're doing already. Absolutely, I agree. Cool, uh, and what else did you get in the mail today? Oh, <laughs> um, today I got my Black Friday shipment of Paleo Ethics okay. um, protein powder. I got I got three things. I'll be right back. Okay. Um, oh no, I gotta hold the conversation here. So Paleo Ethics, I saw these guys just pop up recently. They were, I believe, a sponsor of the CrossFit Invitational, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, that's who gave it to me, Feroza. Shout out Feroza. She gave me uh, some of her samples. So what did you get here? You got a whey protein. So, this, so no, there's no, no way. Are you kidding? No way is there no way. way in this okay. way. You got a protein. Uh, All right. I got a protein powder. So I tweet. I um. I Instagrammed this shake. Uh, I think it was last week or the mm-hmm. week before. Basically, I first came across bone broth protein at Paleo. Yeah. Paleo someone's FX. Someone's knocking at the door here. There's someone <laughs> knocking at the door. Yeah. I'll, yeah, it's Richmond. Hey, Richmond. Hey, Richmond. You're on with a great big camera. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's okay. No we got a special guest here. Say hi, Richmond. Hi. <laughs> Bye, Richmond. Bye, Richmond. <laughs> All right. Um, Maybe we should have live, like, like almost like a talk show, like uh, Jimmy Fallon, could. Yeah, right? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Paleo FX. Uh, the it was a different brand of bone broth, um, of bone broth protein powder that was there. Mm. But it was the first one I'd seen where you could have a chocolate shake that was a protein shake that didn't have whey protein, it didn't have any kind of vegan protein, it had an animal-based, um, an animal-sourced no protein. No, there's right. no dairy. So then- It's not, it's not vegan, but it's dairy-free. Let's, exactly. Let's that way. So it's absolutely not vegan. So yep. fast forward uh, about a month ago, I was doing an event for the opening of an Orange Theory gym in, um, somewhere else, can't remember where. Anyway, there was a there was a booth beside me and they had this paleoethics protein powder that is, it's called Super Serum Protein. It's a high performance beef protein and so it's basically the serum and the collagen protein mm. from bone broth, from mm-hmm. beef bone broth. And what I one of the things that I love about this, quite apart from the fact that it tastes fantastic, is that the ingredient list is really short. Yeah, let's read it. Let's, Let's see, okay, ingredients. So, so this is the super serum protein. Super serum protein powder, in brackets, beef. <laughs> uh, beef protein isolate, stevia, uh, cacao powder, chocolate flavor, coconut oil powder, caramel flavor. So yeah, that is a short list and nothing that sounds too gnarly or hydrogenated or no. uh, fructose or anything like that. No, it's pretty clean. And, and you're saying then- it tastes good. And then it tastes good. So you get, in terms of the the macronutrient uh, composition mm. of it, you get one gram of fat. You get what is it? Five, uh, three grams of carbs and eighteen grams of protein. So it's pretty keto. So it's very keto, but it also allows you to now stack on it, right? Mm-hmm. You want it to be more high fat, you can add coconut milk to it. Mm-hmm. You want it to be, you want to add a little bit of carb, you can add some sweet potato in here. Like you can do whatever you want, but it essentially gives you that foundation of protein you can now build right. on or just take it as it's. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about what 
um, protein supplementation is in general and what are the options out there, mm-hmm. what bone broth is and where this fits in. Right, okay. because this is pretty new as far as this, a I, I believe option. this is quite new. Okay, so in general, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, the protein market and what's available? Everything from whey protein to uh, maybe some of the vegetarian vegan options out there. Yeah, I, I mean, to date, to be really honest, I've I'm not a huge fan of protein powders at the Why? best of times. I mean, I'd rather people eat food, mm-hmm. generally speaking. So, what is a protein powder? good for, for, for who is, because I mean, it does have a use, right? Absolutely. So first of all, in terms of, um, I have clients who have a really hard time eating protein. So sometimes a protein shake is the best way to get it into them. Mm-hmm. It's portable. Um, when you get people who are trying to increase, to bring up their protein consumption, it's an easy way to do it, especially if you find something that tastes good to them, that's easy for them to consume. Mm-hmm. It's really convenient. The problem is finding something that they can tolerate and that is um, is reasonably good quality. Mm-hmm. So whey protein is generally considered the gold standard of protein powders because, because it's an animal-based product, ironically, it's more bioavailable to the body, it's easier for the body to, to use and to assimilate. And that's always, of course, what we're looking for. Whenever for we're people. eating something, we want something that's easy for the body to take up and easy for the body to assimilate yeah. into whatever parts it Otherwise, needs. you just have really expensive crap. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The problem with whey protein is, quite apart from the fact that you've got a huge spectrum of quality out there. The biggest problem with whey protein is that it's inflammatory to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of people drinking whey protein who walk around being pretty bloated a right, lot of the right. time, which to me is a sign that it's not doing your body good. Is that just because it's such a high dose of very quickly, I mean, it's a quick hit of protein that doesn't have a lot of fiber to it or a lot of um, yeah, it even shouldn't, fat, right? I, don't, I mean, maybe, but I don't think it should. I mm-hmm. think whey protein and milk protein in particular is, is problematic for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And um, so if your protein, and so then we go into the vegan protein powders. So pea protein is a very, very popular source of protein. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I get a lot of people who are sensitive to pea protein. They don't tolerate it very well. Uh, But then for people who do tolerate it, it's a reasonably good source of protein. The biggest issue with with the vegan protein powders is they tend to be gritty. So people, you know, we've gotten used to this whole, like the whey protein is almost like a milkshake. So it's smooth, it's rich, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. It's generally speaking, they're the best tasting ones. Uh, Brian Rothwell is a coach here, works at the academy. He brought in some vegan protein powder, um, and I can only compare it to the taste of gym chalk and maybe oh. a little bit of cacao powder. But it was basically, <laughs> yeah, it was like drinking a bucket of gym chalk and not good. So I think that's the knock on a lot of. I've I've done all sorts of different kind of protein powders. I was vegetarian vegan for a while too. Yeah. And I concur with that. A lot of them, for, for people who are much used to the milkshake vibe, they can be a little bit uh, less tasty. They're off-putting. They're off-putting. Some are okay. Some are better Some than others. Some are okay. I mean, look, I'm I'm not knocking vegan proteins because then you get people who eat way too much animal mm-hmm. food products. Right. They don't get any other greens. They don't get any vegetables. So now we're we're getting into a, a, a we're backing ourselves into a corner. Sure. Right. So now the good news is that paleo. Well, what about? Oh, sorry, there's sorry. A couple more. Um, what about egg protein? I think egg protein's fantastic, right. but egg is one of the most allergenic foods out sure. there. So you gotta know that you do well with egg whites. So you gotta test it out a bit. You gotta test it out do, a bit. Do you think it's good to alternate protein sources, yeah. right? Absolutely. Test it out I a do, bit. I, Like anything else, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, again, some of, the biggest, some of the worst food sensitivity issues I see in people are those people who are fortunate enough not to really care what they eat. So they just tend to eat the same thing day in, day out because it's easy, they know what they're doing, they don't really care what is it. To them, food is a means to an end. Mm-hmm. It's not an experience particularly. So so that for them, this is a gift. The problem is that when you eat the same, pick a number, six, seven, eight foods every single day, mm-hmm. you run the risk of number one, overloading on the negative, every food has good and negative, so you're overloading on the negative aspect, and you run the risk of becoming sensitive right. to certain aspects of that food. That happens with eggs a lot. A lot, a lot, because eggs are easy, and they're mm-hmm. convenient. So let's talk about bone broth. A lot of people have been hearing about it, maybe uh, seeing it on store shelves, so it's starting to pop up in bottles at various grocery stores, but let's uh, let's talk about the benefits of bone broth and and why you like it. 
Well, so in general, bone broth, if you're making, especially if you're making your own, it's an incredible source of collagen, of minerals. Why is collagen important? Because why? Because your body, your I I'm think playing, I'm playing is, dumb. Here. Yeah, you're playing dumb. Really, there's a huge. <laughs> you're like confused. You're like the, you're, you're I'm looking at, me at like, him going, "What happened this? to you in that meditation?" Yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> Did the birds take you away? Thank God, the birds no, didn't I'm, come to me. <laughs> Um, well, the reason we're podcasting this so other people yeah, can yeah. You know, listen so, to this. So collagen is right. super important. It's important for the body's own mechanisms of healing, tissue, tendon, muscle, mm-hmm. sinew, skin, nails, hair, all of those. Keeps you hot and sexy. Yeah. And right. it's one of the most um, abundant proteins in the human body. Mm-hmm. So definitely you want to get your collagen on whenever you can. So when you're making your bone broth, you're adding that acid into the mix. So the idea is to use a real mix of bones. You want to use some marrow bones, but you also want the joints. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you can get a foot, that's even better. Not, Mm. Not too long ago, I had bought, um, I bought wait, a freezer. Wait. I've grossed out half the audience. Yeah. I get it, guys. It's been, you'd never know that it was a foot. Anyway, but I got a not freezer a human order. Foot. Let's just be specific. These are, by the way, yeah, we're, not human we're talking Ooh. about. But yeah. chicken feet, as it turns out, are Settle really down, good Jeffrey for Dahmer. <laughs> chicken feet. So yeah, my, my mom, when I, when I was a little kid, I remember coming home and seeing a bunch of chicken feet in a pot. Mm. You know, I'm Russian. So Scary. this is like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? And I thought my mom was like, you know, a horrible person. And uh, only now do I appreciate uh, you know what she was trying to do for me, but obviously I wasn't quite as aware as I am now. Absolutely, lots of collagen in those feet. Lots right? of collagen. So you, you basically bone broth. You're taking some kind of like a you know beef bone, chicken bones, fish. and fish. Never actually, I don't think I've had that. Oh, I have. It's amazing. Fish mm-hmm. bone broth is spectacular. First of all, it takes only a couple hours to make. But but obviously from an animal that is pastured, grass fed, treated well, or or Absolutely. wild caught, whatever. Yeah, you're not taking that. tilapia bones. No. Um, and, and that's a whole other topic. But mm-hmm. so you put that in uh, some kind of a slow cooker or a pot and big giant pot of water with what um, I always put in um, some vegetables because I like my bone broth to have some flavor. Yeah. <clears throat> so I will always have an onion in there. I'll have a bit of turnip, some parsnip, some carrot. You got to have celery. Um, mm-hmm. I'll generally put in a few chunks of ginger. Really? Um, hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, I mix it up a bit, right? Sometimes I'll put in turmeric root if I have mm-hmm. turmeric available. Um, always put in a little bit of peppercorns because the pepper helps to release some of the nutrients out of the turmeric and the ginger. And it tastes great too. And it tastes really good. You need quite a lot of sea salt, mm-hmm. be surprised. Um, and I use apple cider vinegar as my as my as my acid. Your acid, really? Okay. Yeah. See, I haven't tried that before. I've never put in a. It really helps acid. to pull. It really helps to pull the minerals out of the. Really? Bone. Okay. All right. Learn something new every day. That's yeah. why. That's why. That's why I do this podcast with you. Because um, <laughs> um, we could just be having a conversation and you, you know, schooling me like you normally do. But we'll just record <laughs> it and let other people share. Uh, share the love. But, so mine uh, goes yeah. in the oven. So you put yours in the oven. I I get it going on the stove. Right. And because I have a gas stove, Mm -hmm. I don't love leaving it on overnight. And so I'll just set my oven to about 225, 250. And I've got this ginormous pot. So it's like, it's a workout just getting it off the stove and... Functional fitness. Yeah. Getting it into the oven. And I let it go all night in Mm -hmm. the oven. And I find whenever I put it in the oven, I get a very dark, very rich broth. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool, actually, even, and even with the, the chicken. And one thing you can do for a different flavor profile is you can roast your bones for about 20 minutes at 300 degrees before good, right? you put them in. Yeah. yeah, And that'll kind of bring up the, the mm-hmm. flavor and the color of your bone broth. Yeah, I do it a little bit of a different way, but uh, probably so it really easy. So this is the lazy, this is the dummies guide <laughs> bone broth. It's super mine's simple. Mine's easy too. Yours is pretty easy. Mine just has a, more ingredients. Mine's like the bachelor version. All right, um, tell us. So yeah, so I uh, well I go to the butcher just like you said, and I get uh, uh you know the bones from animals that hopefully have been treated very well, just have had one or two bad days in their life, mm-hmm. and um so I put that in a slow cooker. So that's my secret. Yeah. Big slow cooker. They're so cheap. Maybe like 20, 40 bucks you can get a slow cooker, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, f- throw in a bunch of celery, a bunch of carrots, a bunch of onions, like you said, uh, and then turmeric, cumin, sea salt, uh, pepper, maybe some cayenne or, or whatever, and uh, fill up the water, throw the lid on it, and then it beeps a day later and it's done. 
yeah. and I've got enough of that stuff for a week. Mm-hmm. And you know, when, when I'm really on my game and I'm making about a, like a slow cooker full a week, I do it in the morning, and it feels like it's a like it feels like a nice soothing warm bath for your like, oh, yeah. for no, your internal amazing. organs. Like it's, it's so amazing. good. It's such Even a good thing to have in the winter when you're when you're not eating a lot of solid food. If mm-hmm. you're doing a form of intermittent fasting, that bone broth is just like it's yeah. just like an infusion of nutrients without a whole whack of calories. Well, well that was a pretty good uh, routine for me. Was bone broth in the morning first thing. And uh, and then a butter coffee, and I wouldn't really be hungry till like way later on. Yeah. And I found that was a pretty pretty good routine. So bone broth is pretty simple to make, but again, you can buy it. So in now a lot you of stores can. Um, what do you think about that? I'm I'm I'm. You know what? I I know one of the guys who's who's um, marketing it right now. Tim Sotade. He's got Broya bone broth. Mm-hmm. What I love about him is his attention to details. Like he's passionate about bone broth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing, the challenges he has is creating a product that's shelf stable for extended periods of time. Uh, so definitely the flavor profile of his bone broth is going to be affected by the fact that he has to put in a fair amount of acid to make right. that, enable that bone broth to be shelf stable for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's a fair trade off because for people who don't have time to make their own bone broth, um, he makes a great product. I, he's very, very conscientious about his ingredients and his sourcing. Um, there's, you know, there's now a number of them coming up in the states. They have a lot more than we do. There's a kettle, fire and kettle, or kettle and fire bone mm-hmm. broth company that does a really nice job as well. I think that where we have to be careful is there's a lot of places getting into making bone broth themselves, like even butcher shops. Um, but you got to ask some questions. Ask them about where are the bones from. Well, where are the bones from, and what kind of pot are they using? Because for a lot of these guys, commercial cookware is aluminum, mm-hmm. and we know that we don't really want to be cooking our bone broth in aluminum because that is not an element you want to be accumulating in your yeah. body in any way. But making your own is so easy. Well, it's so easy, right? and yet and I find, cheap. It's so cheap. Yeah. Well, I find with most of my clients, it's getting them over the hump of making the first batch. Right. It's a very. It's for whatever reason. It's a very intimidating thing to do the first time, and everybody's asking for a recipe. But look, you and I, we don't have a recipe. My bone broth tastes a little bit different every time I make it. Sure. Sometimes I'll put in some leeks. Sometimes I'll put in. Yeah. Do what you feel. Like you know, I've got beet green tops. I'll yeah. throw those in there. Like you, you just you put in all different things. It's kind of it's kind of fun to like make this thing and you know, like put all the ingredients in and then just kind of you know, see what it come happens? to life. It's pretty it's pretty fun because it doesn't really look that good. <laughs> when no, you but, start. It but it smells amazing. It smells amazing, and there's something about it which is just uh, especially in the fall and winter, which just kind of makes life a little more bearable. Mm-hmm. What are some of the also makes a good hostess gift as long as you prepare them. Right. They do look at you a little funny at first, but then they always thank you. Yes. What are some of the benefits of uh, bone broth? I mean, you mentioned a couple, but give, give us some more because we're going to get into the whey protein. So why why is it important to use well, bone broth? Well, overall, it's anti-inflammatory and, okay. as a general rule, mm-hmm. unless you're allergic to so something. So if you're taking a lot of whey protein and you're inflamed, then you need some bone broth. Uh, bone broth typically is considered to be very healing to the GI tract. So people mm-hmm. who have developed leaky gut for or who've damaged their gut lining in any way, um, that bone broth can have the elements that the body would use to heal the GI right. tract. And so the cool, the good news and the bad news of your of the lining of your GI tract is that it's only one cell deep. So it gets damaged quite easily. Right. But the good news is that it gets fixed quite easily because it's that, it's that lining of cells that reproduces and Regenerate. is constantly regenerating. What is it in the bone broth? Is it the... I'm going to say the collagen, the collagen is really helpful. I think there's glutamine in there that gets extracted out of the That's right, because glutamine's bones. great for the gut, right? Yeah, yeah. So as long as you have... And the one the one downside to bone broth, I think for people who have a histamine sensitivity, um, there it may be quite high in histamines. Mm-hmm. And so for those people, they may have to watch out for bone broth. But for the general population, you know, if you feel like you're coming down with a cold or something, I always, always, always have bone broth in my freezer. Always. Right, it's, you can freeze it the and then thought. That's the only right. thing with freezing bone broth, and I'll tell you now, I have lost so many glass jars, is number one, you have to make sure it's really cold, like it's cooled. 
Yeah. And beyond cooled, I now make sure that I, I cool it on the counter, then I put it in the fridge, only when it's cold in the fridge, and I get a sense of how much fat is gonna be sitting on top of that bone broth. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll poke a hole in the fat, because when you go to freeze it, the, the fat gets really, really hard, the bone broth underneath it has to expand, mm. and there's nothing sadder than opening your freezer and finding your frozen, shattered jars mm-hmm. frozen. It's really sad. I find it very, very sad. And sometimes I leave them there like a warning to myself. I have one that's been there for about eight months. You're listening to the Bone Broth <laughs> Therapy Hour support group. So, it's really sad. It's awful. So you um, mustn't overfill your glass jar. About right. two thirds full. Okay. Good tip. Pro tip. We're going, we're, going, we're going deep. We're going pro now. So coming back to uh, bone broth in powder form and as a protein source. So now we've got, uh, but it's not a we've taken it one step further. Source, right? Don't forget. Sure, sure. So but, if you want it to be complete protein, you have to put in some of the muscle meat and leave the muscle meat in there. So right. what I was going to say is I recently got a freeze, well, not recently, last year I got a freezer order and I got this giant package and it said neck. And I was afraid <laughs> to open this package for months. Like it took yeah. until about a month ago for me to open it up. And, and I literally was cringing as I was peeling back the butcher paper. And there it was. Like there was this big piece of Neck kind of, what? of of beef. Okay. So this giant. And you could see like the vertebrae. It was actually way cool. If you're enough of a geek, it's very cool. Mm. Um, quite a lot of meat. And so I threw all. I think I may have roasted it first. And then I put that into my bone broth. And it was one of the most incredible bone broths I've ever made. Like, I think I took a picture of it on Instagram. And when I, you, when it coming out of the fridge, never mind the freezer, you turn the jar sideways, and it was solid. Mm. Like there was no movement. It was so full of gelatin and collagen. It was just in, it clearly was you intense. have a passion for bone broth. And I kind of thought I would neck. do a bone broth business once, and I started I making it for my clients. It's and hard. Then, it it's was a hard. nightmare. Yeah. I spent all my time making bone broth. That's what I, I mean. Like you, everyone just make it themselves. You know, yeah, like what's yeah. Like, I mean, it's cool to have. Don't overcomplicate it. Just yeah. throw a pot on the stove so or easy. get a crock pot, which just makes it even easier. Like you know what, everyone. I love kombucha, kombucha, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. And every time I'm drinking it, someone inevitably asks me, "Hey, do you make your own kombucha?" Oh yeah, and I've had a I kombucha say, kit for a year. <laughs> I always say no because it looks so gross making it, but it ultimately tastes so good. So I'm just like, you know what? I don't need to make my own kombucha. Like I can just buy it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And they do a good job. But bone broth, I feel different. Like you just make your own bone broth. It's so easy. It's, it's less complicated. It's, it's than way kombucha. less complicated. It's so cheap. Kombucha, you got to take care of the scoby and you got to yeah. feed it. And then and that's just weird. And it's kind of weird. And then it grows. And then you got to find people to give it to. And yeah. And and I mean, and they may, and they've written entire giant books about kombucha, which is really cool but then if you don't let it ferment long enough then there's too much sugar anyway um, for me it's too much of a workout I, I'll stick it's a, to the co- kombucha sounds like a lifestyle like it doesn't sound like just a drink awesome. you make it is amazing uh, shout out kombucha okay so uh, back to paleo ethics. So now we we know about protein powder. We know about uh, bone broth, even kombucha. So what what do you think about all this? So I don't know much about the rest of the line. I mm-hmm. admittedly, but it tastes good. Uh, the the, the ingredients actual look good. the actual shake is very. It tastes great. It's the only thing I'll say to people is um, because there's coconut in there, mm-hmm. um, it it it's hard to emulsify. Like it's a harder shake to shake in a shaker bottle. So you got to because you'll it. get little chu- you'll get little chunks of coconut. But once you blend it, it's really very smooth. And if you don't mind chunks of coconut, like I mean, at the end of the day, it's not bad. So what do we have here? A so what I have protein serum, which we just so the protein, described. which is their version of a protein shake. Uh-huh. Then there's a recovery matrix, which is actually a tea. Okay, cool. Um, and you that. would have it at night. And I think there's there's different er- calming herbs in there. There's chamomile. Uh, there's. I'll read it. Beef protein, chicken protein, bonus. Hydrolyzed collagen, zinc, magnesium, stevia, chamomile extract. So that's for, I guess, nighttime. Even magnesium. Uh, natural chamomile flavor, natural peppermint, which is awesome too. So yeah, so this is uh, just kind of a... Bone, a nighttime recovery. Nighttime <laughs> bone broth. Okay. And then, uh, then there's a green... Uh, powder supplement, which includes uh, spirulina, great organic, sp- everything's organic, spinache, kale, uh, parsley, kelp, uh, morning leaf, 
don't know what that is. Uh, and chlorella, so pretty good. And then oh, there's a bunch of other stuff. Hold on a sec. Apple, uh, again, it's all organic. Sweet potato, That's carrot. That's make it taste good stuff, yeah. Beet, this looks like, there's way more stuff here too. There's like uh, pomegranate powder, a lot of an antioxidants. This looks pretty legit. Yeah, and so I haven't tasted it yet, but you know, it's interesting. I have a client right now mm -hmm. who, I can't get this person to eat greens for lover money. Right. Hates broccoli, hates kale, hates anything green. And so this is gonna segue either into the next part of our podcast or we're gonna talk about this on another day. When I first met her, she handed me two binders and she had had her genetic profile test done. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to get to looking at them. And, and she's, and I'm basically, you're dealing with adult who, an adult who doesn't want to eat anything green and you kind of get to the point, or I do, where I'm like, would you just stop being a baby and suck it up? You need greens, like just stop being such a baby. Just tell like it is, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking through her genetic profile because I've actually just, I've just registered to certify with a genetic profiling company, so I'll be running those tests for my clients and knowing how to read the results. And she carries this gene which makes her, she basically tastes greens like they're super bitter. Right. So she genetically is predisposed to hating greens because her taste buds don't interpret the, t the taste uh -huh. profile the way that somebody else's does. It's kind of like for me with cilantro, you may as well be shaving ivory soap into my food. <laughs> I, like I can't stand the stuff. And so, so I basically had to get on the phone with her and say, look, here's the thing and she said oh isn't that nice all of a sudden now you're being nice to me and I said, <laughs> I'm like, no it's not that I'm being nice it's that I now understand where you're coming from mm -hmm. so well we now to, you have scientific proof that she's not being a baby so we need to find a solution and is, that, these, is that changeable can you no you no? can't change that but here's what you can do you can find a, you now need to go out go forth and find a greens powder that is palatable to these mm. people so that you can amp up their greens intake for the day well, can, can you just put more like butter on the broccoli? So for I, my guess is it depends on how bad they it? are. Mm -hmm. And, but no, but they taste, they, I mean, matter, right? I don't, broccoli doesn't taste bitter to me. Does it taste bitter to no. you? No, not at all. Not even in the least. And yet to this person, like you should see her face. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so it's an interesting, it, it's an interesting thing when you get into this genetic stuff. It's all quite fascinating. It's a very. I hope she called her parents. <laughs> and, like, remember when and we told them for no dessert until I finished my Brussels sprouts? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but to go back to this product, I haven't tasted it yet, but it definitely, for people who have a hard time getting as much greens in as they need to, which most people don't. You know, we should be aiming for eight to 10 cups of vegetables a day. And I listened to a podcast recently with the Dr. Thomas Cowan, and he was talking about how, um, you know, going back a few decades, people, or in hunter-gatherer days, I think they would eat 23 different types a of day. vegetables a day. And we're now at a point where we're lucky if we eat six. And so most the, of those are corn. Most of those are corn, and for the most part, they've been grown in depleted soil. Like even the organic mm -hmm. stuff that we get, either it's out of season or the the soil. So, so we're, we're, not, really, we're not getting enough trace minerals. We're not. We're getting not enough yeah, we're fiber. becoming depleted in things that we know and things we don't even know about yet. Sure. Yeah. So definitely, a high quality greens powder will be. It's it's a great tool to have in your toolkit and fill something gaps. to yeah to fill the to fill the gaps. Doesn't mean you don't eat vegetables. What's a, what's a symptom of not eating enough greens? I don't know that there's an actual symptom. I mean, if you think about what do we Just get like from shit. greens, you get magnesium, <laughs> yeah. you get potassium. Trace minerals. You get a lot of right. trace minerals, you get molybdenum. You get lots of these little vitamins and minerals that you don't know about. And, and why are those important? Because they're all, they all are, whether they are um, part of an enzymatic compound that activates um, a process in the body. Like whether digestion. Digestion, or even, you know, they could be part of a, of, of a molecule for a neurotransmitter. Mm -hmm. It could be part of a hormone thing. It could be part of how the mitochondria produces ATP. Like there's so many different processes that get driven by so many different things. And the body, is an amazing thing, you know? It will cope mm -hmm. with deficiencies. It'll find hacks around what we don't give it. The problem is that over decades and years of deficiency, we will find dysfunction. Yeah. And I don't know that anybody can say today, 
oh, if you have this when you're 55, it means you didn't get enough of that through your whole life. But I would guess that a lot of the age-related diseases that we see are the result of probably accumulated micronutrient deficiencies in addition to whether it's poor lifestyle or bad choices or whatever the case may be. And, th- and that's what's kind of crazy about mineral deficiencies. They creep up on you. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you, you're a little foggier. All of a sudden, you know you can't think as fast. You get a little bit maybe even depressed. And it's a little bit of a... Uh, you know, insidious downward spiral. But yeah. a lot of it can literally be due to just not getting enough vitamin D or vitamin or, or zinc or magnesium. Or magnesium so is a big one, yeah. right? So everybody virtually is deficient in magnesium. Right. But think about the role that magnesium and something like chromium play in blood yeah. sugar control, right? A lot of diabetics mm-hmm. or type 2 diabetics are deficient in these things. It's not the only thing that got them there, but it's part of the mechanism. So. And, and that's why calories, you know, like that's that debate, you know, it, it, more to more to nutrition than calories, more to more to life than calories. And that's it's definitely true when it comes to food quality, because uh, if, if you're getting 2000 calories a day, but it's minerally depleted, then it doesn't matter how much energy you get. You're going to not be very healthy. And, and a lot of your basic biological functions will not operate as they are required to do so because you don't have magnesium or zinc. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, it's suboptimal, mm-hmm. right? So suboptimal. So your body's always You're alive, but you're not ways. living. Right? Yeah, well, I mean, you're, st- you're even living, but your body's looking, is trying to figure out ways to make do, right? So it's like, oh, well, we can't plug the rad into here, so we'll plug it into there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, now that plug's no longer available to the stove, so we're going to have to hack that over there. It's just a mess. And so by, by the time <laughs> you hit my age, it's a disaster. Is, is that how shit's plugged in at your house? <laughs> Um, so anyway, so so all this to say that I'm always looking for a great greens supplement to give clients. And I have, you know, I don't know if she'll go for something like this because some of these guys, they actually have to take their greens in a pill form. Right. It's the only, in a capsule. And is that optimal? No, it's not. There's no chance it is. But is it better than not eating any sure. greens? Absolutely. So we do what we can with what we've got. There's a really cool... Um, Website. It's called, I think it's called Dr. Cowan's Garden, and it's this guy, Dr. Thomas Cowan, and he's a uh, he's a really big uh, dude with the Weston A. Price Foundation. I don't think he works with them as much anymore, but he basically has started a company whereby they grow and harvest um, vegetables that are very you don't find anymore, mm. and then like they, ancient vegetables. Yeah, like okay. um, yeah, like not um, like what's the uh, air kind of heirloom, but okay. taking right. it up a notch, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but they also nourish the soil in a very deliberate and mindful way. You're, you're, they're, you sound so hippie to me. I, it is hippie. And then they're what they do, like no, but wait, it gets better. Soil songs, no, no, there's it, a didgeridoo gets, somewhere. No, they, they replenish the soil okay. with things like iodine and whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. And then they harvest these vegetables always at the peak of their... Of the moon of, cycle, of the, of the fourth. <laughs> I'm serious, I'm going to take off my boot and I'm going to smack you. Yeah. <laughs> and then they dry them and they create these powders. Right. These vegetable powders that you can then, like a quarter teaspoon of this vegetable powder sprinkled over your salad, mm-hmm. like amps up the nutrient density of your salad tenfold, mm. right? And they don't always have the same products because it just depends what the growing se- what's growing Changes in the garden. Changes with the moon. Changes with the moon, right. yes, and the stars. Um, <laughs> for their kale, for example, they blanch it first because we know that kale raw is not optimal. Sure. So they'll blanch the kale to deactivate the goitrogens, then they will dehydrate it, then they will... Pa- so they're passionate, <laughs> to say the least. They're super passionate. Then they put them in these jars called mirin glass jars. Okay. You ever heard of mirin glass jars? You should see Danny looking at me right now. He thinks I've completely lost my mind. <laughs> I don't think I know, and I knew no, that a long time ago. No, but and glass jars are so why cool. I wanted you on here. So they did an experiment. They took a cherry tomato, and they put it in a regular mason jar, and they took another cherry tomato, and they put it in a mirin glass jar. Mm-hmm. And after, I think it was two weeks or something, they came back to the cherry tomatoes. The one in the mason jar was disgusting, as mm-hmm. you would expect it to be, and the one in the mirin jar was actually in- intact. And so mirin glass is like, it's, I think it's very dark blue or it's black. Mm. And it has something uh, to do with the spectrum, spectrum of light. light. That See, that makes sense. Through. Okay, I thought oh, you were going to Oh, now all of a sudden. Now that makes sense. Okay. Well, no, because that's that's true. They, You know, if uh, you, you can essentially... Because you say it's true? 
No, because there's a scientific <laughs> mechanism for that, but right? But there's scientific mechanism to all this stuff. A plant can only be as nutritious as the soil it comes out of. It doesn't, plants don't synthesize things out of nothing. Yeah. It's like us, right? You need the starting material. No argument there. <laughs> I'm just saying before, are you wearing bell bottoms? Um, <laughs> not. <laughs> um, I'm not a hippie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe deep inside <laughs> a little bit. But um, no, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool because a lot of these products were not around um, years and years ago. Didn't need them. I mean, we're at the level where you can go to the Loblaws, right? In, in Canada and, and probably a lot of places in the States now. Um, that you, you can find grass-fed butter much easier. You can find bone broth, maybe a couple different kinds on the shelves now. Uh, it's pretty cool that that I think there's a marketplace for these products and the ingredients are getting better and better and people really have a, a diverse set of choices when it comes to being healthy, mm-hmm. right? And, and they're very driven, uh, I think the marketplace is very driven by convenience and you know the everybody's pretty busy and doesn't have a lot of time to prepare stuff or even do research. So I think it's kind of cool to, uh, yeah, to and see but, some of this and stuff. But that's still, we have to be careful we don't take an elitist view of all this stuff because we we operate in a very privileged world sure, where we can afford to spend 10 bucks on a liter mm-hmm. of bone broth or whatever. And what remains true is that for pennies, you can make your own bone broth. It takes a little bit of yeah. um, intention um, and definitely the butchers have gotten wise to the fact that people want bones. I mean, mm-hmm. I spoke to one guy. At you a think they're getting shop. more expensive? They, oh my God. They yeah. used to throw away, I don't, he, I think he said to me like one or 2,000 pounds of bones a week and they now sell them at 10 bucks a pound. So I got into an argument with oh. my butcher. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. And I may be a hippie, but you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and tell me what you think. Well, I think I maybe know what you think about this, but I was... Uh, you know, mixing up my meat selection and trying to eat a little less muscle meat for a couple weeks. Yeah. And uh, so I, I went to the butcher, good butcher in town, I won't name who it was, uh, but uh, I was like, can I get, you know, some chicken livers? Mm-hmm. And and how much do you like? And I'm like, I don't know, I, I said like this much, and it, I made a big gesture with my hands, like I want a big bag of it, because I'll just prepare it, you know, like I am, I'll prepare it in one shot and then eat it throughout the rest of the week. And he looks at me like all weird, and he's like, it's not good for you, bro. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and he I didn't. said, "Yeah." And I said, uh, "I said, well, That's uh, words. yeah." And I'm like, ah, "I don't know about that." And I'm like, "Should you be saying this, or are you trying to sell this stuff to me?" And he's like, "You know, he's like, yeah, man, it's not good for you. That's where all the toxins are processed, and this and that." And I said, ah, "I don't, I don't know about that. You might want to, you know, Google it, look it up." He's like, "Well, you know, you can't trust Google anyway." So <laughs> we kind of got into it. I left with the bag of chicken liver, and I'm still here, knock on wood. So yeah, it was it was pretty funny to hear that from my butcher. Um, yeah, but you know what do you what do you think of that now for people who are because it's an actual like legit yeah I think question people have uh, you know the liver is known to uh, you know be be an organ of detoxification yeah what uh, what's the deal with eating liver I mean some people just hate it based on taste I grew up with it my mom fed it to me I love so it so I I don't mind it uh, I think there's ways to make it tasty but what do you think. Well, I think it's exactly what you said. It's an organ of detoxification. It processes toxins, mm-hmm. but it doesn't hold toxins. The job of the liver is to process the toxin, package it up in a way that the body then clears it, mm-hmm. right? Binds it to bile or clears it through whatever whatever mechanisms it, it's using. So the liver is not an organ of storage mm. of toxins. I hope my butcher is listening to this. Yeah. Um, and then people get all freaked out about liver because of cholesterol, vitamin mm. A, this, that, and the other thing. It turns out that as part of your rotation of meats, it's an incredibly healthy thing to eat. It's, it's necessary and truthfully, I think we most of us walk around depleted in any number of the nutritional factors you get from liver because we don't eat that stuff anymore. And we've talked about it before, but when an animal kills another animal, the first thing that it eats is? The innards, it goes for the liver, it goes for the heart, it goes for the stomach and the contents of the stomach, like the fermented foods. Um, the the animals, yeah. The, I think the muscle meat is probably the last thing that goes. If right? if it even even they even go even there, it, I yeah, think it's the scavengers that get the. It's the scavengers, right? Yeah. So I mean, our our uh, our society uh, is you know over here is is dominated by muscle meat. 
for the most part. Absolutely, and so we don't get a balance of we, we really don't. Forces. And again, you know, they're a li- they're a bit luckier in the states in that they've got these companies now, like the Butcher's Box, and mm-hmm. there's a couple of these U.S. guys that they're mail order and they're creating these meat products that are actually the organ meats. Um, re, yeah. you know, I guess kind of processed, turned into a sausage or whatever. But you're going to get your heart, your liver, the tongue. Um, things like blood pudding, which, is, you know, gives us is, all the heebie-jeebies, right? <laughs> this is all stuff that horrified me as a kid. Well, it would right? horrify, if you really think about it, it's kind of like, ooh, like we don't, in our no, culture, my, we don't do that. But in my culture, my grandmother would put, okay, hang on to your hats. I mean, she'd put like, there was this very, like a ceremonial kind of omelet that she would make at certain times a year that had brain in it, mm-hmm. which I never liked. I just didn't zombie like omelet. it. Zombie omelet. Yeah, zombie omelet. Mm. It was, and it had little green. What brains of what? A beef, veal. A beef, <laughs> veal, a cow, and then it'd be like See, little bits of carrots eat, I, and I, peas. I wouldn't eat veal. I just can't do it. I don't um, eat veal either. But anyway, yeah. it would be a cow brain, and then I, I ate tongue as a kid, and I loved mm. it. it. I had was tongue really recently. Good. Um, it's like and a mustard and caper sauce. Oh my! It was amazing. Delicious. It was amazing. You just got to get your mind off it. You do, you do. Uh, even though like my palate's evolved and mm-hmm. that stuff doesn't scare me anymore, I definitely had to not really think that it was a tongue. Tripe, I still not, I'm, I don't do tripe. What's, what's funny is, I mean, everybody is always, you know, talking about the, the expense of eating well. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, it, it, it can kind of become a privileged thing. If you have the money to eat well, then you can eat well, but if you don't. But I did a little bit of an immersion into a, a much more kind of mim- minimalist right. uh, eating style, yeah. which I'll probably get into in a, in a further podcast. I'm, I'm still kind of going through it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I really uh, wanted to test out was how healthy I felt uh, by eating kind of in this way, by making, I wanted to basically prove not, not really to myself, but just in general that you can be very healthy by eating these more traditional foods, mm-hmm. which are actually a lot cheaper to make and to buy. Sure. So a lot of bone broth, liver, uh, you know, eggs, and things that were for like basically per per calorie, uh, per dollar, you know, kind of new, high nutrient value. I was able to actually go pretty far on not a lot of money just by eating uh, less muscle meat, more organ meat. Uh, you recommended sardines, which like I wasn't a big sardine eater, but that was a really good. Yeah, and I wasn't doing really any supplementation, mm-hmm. um, which is not necessarily ideal, but I wanted to kind of give it a shot to see how I felt. So um, yeah, and and like all these foods are really really, you know, they're traditional. People grew up on them. They're they're you know a lot of. Uh, a lot of cultures that came to North America, they brought the stuff with, like my my parents did. Yeah, mine you know, too. Being, being a Russian Jew, they, they brought all that, you know, that stuff. I didn't appreciate it as a kid, but now I'm like, damn, I wish I had paid more attention and, and eaten less McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> you think McDonald's over at Bone Broth? <laughs> I would never put anything past them. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> like what? You never know. Yeah. I, I doubt it, but you never know. And I'm not sure that I would take, I, w- I would go there. No. I'm, uh, nah, I'm Whose bones sure. would they be? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, not for me. But fish, fish bone broth, super cheap, mm-hmm. right? You get like you go to a fishmonger and they haven't quite caught on yet, right? You can get a giant fish head, mm-hmm. and even when they're making fillets, like you can get the whole skeleton of the fish. You put that in a big pot of water with uh, with you know with a little bit of lemon juice and I like to do fennel in my my fish broth fennel's um, great and then again you know the carrots not so much of the root vegetables because it's going to be a lighter broth sure. kind of thing you get mushy too yeah and then you well you have to put it through one of those cone thingies to, that strains what? out all the solids and that way you end up with a clear broth and actually did you know sorry I'll get back to the fish broth in a minute that if you really wanted to make a clear clear broth if you threw a piece of that chicken liver in there, any liver, and the broth turns into crystal. Because it sucks up. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No it's way. It's so cool. You have to do it just as a science experiment. Just Dude, check it out. Livers are amazing. Livers are really cool. Um, also, I think egg white. 
Okay. Will clear will bind a we'll lot bind of stuff. the stuff. Um, anyway, getting back to the fish broth, but it's only a couple of hours, right? You mm -hmm. only have to slow cook it for a couple hours because the fish bones obviously are much softer, mm -hmm. um, and you get an amazing. Um, and so it becomes a, a, a base for soup. Right. So. Right. Um, you think we've grossed anyone out? I think people have <laughs> left. I think we're now talking to. I don't each think other. so. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. It depends I on think, the person, you know. I mean, um, so we've kind of here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right? Okay, we've yeah. come from a bag of protein. Yeah, here, well, like we cover it all. Like this is this is uh, you know paleo journalism. But I think you know we've, we're always trying to um, present a, a range of things. Like you, you know you know how I feel. Like we need things out that are easy and free and don't take a lot of uh, effort. To, to necessarily make. And I think that's like, you know, that's bone broth. That's maybe switching up your protein sources, at, you know, through food, ideally, like you Absolutely. said in the beginning. Yeah. And then if you need to get a little more specific and you need to supplement more, then stuff like paleoethics looks pretty cool. Yeah, no, it looks really great. And um, I was just gonna add something to that, but I forget what it was, so. It has left me, mm. but definitely, yeah. This is the stuff that you use when, like the the organic super greens, the super serum, all of these great products from these guys. It's when you they should be stop gaps more than the norm, if at all possible. Um, and getting into a world where you're making some of your more of these things, it's all. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Part of this whole thing also is respecting this whole nose to tail movement. It's using the whole animal. It's respecting the fact that you've you've broken down an life. animal and yeah. taken a life, there's really no part of that animal that, that should go to waste. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot more that we could do with it than we typically do right now. Like ribeyes are great. No, no bones about it. No bones about it, that's right. <laughs> Bad puns Boom. are us. Boom. Boom. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you're gonna, uh, you just literally got this in the mail. And yeah, so I have a bag of the super serum at home that is the vanilla flavor. Uh -huh. This is the chocolate. Okay. But I actually spoke to the spoke to someone over there and they're gonna send me samples of all the different products. Oh, that cool. They have a very extensive product line. Mm -hmm. So I haven't really done a huge amount of digging on, on these guys yet. But uh, Well how about I this? How about this? Uh, we'll we'll update everybody on, on the next episode, how we you know, you liked it and I've got some samples too. Great. Uh, maybe I mean I'm sure there's other people trying it. Get them to hit you on social media. Absolutely. Let me know what you think, guys. If you're because you were you were <laughs> prior to the meditation you were going through your Instagram and like <laughs> trying to like look at how many likes you got on your last post. Oh, which is not bad. a great way. Not to, a bad not that's a not mindful, habit. Matt. Bad habit. No, I that's know. why you didn't score so But 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 well. My ketones were so nice and high. I Your ketones were high. Happy. Okay, okay. It was, um, really, it was an experiment, self experimentation. Right. Which, as it turns out, does not trend very high on Instagram. Self experimentation? Self quantification. Is that a hashtag? Yeah, 58 people have used it or something. Oh, really? It's only it's, a baby yeah, hashtag. Yeah, no. You got to make it a little too more. Too nerdy. It's too nerdy. All right, so you try this stuff out. Maybe people hit you. At, what's your account again? Oh, it's Natalie Nidham. It's just my name. N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E-N-I-D-D-A-M, like Mary at the end. That's on Instagram. And then Twitter is at Paleo N-X-O. And, uh, you know, I like to keep it real. I've got a Facebook page that's Keto Nat, but I don't, you know, I'm, it's still a baby page, so I'm still developing it. Okay. Um, but I'm easy to find, or you can come find me at Academy of Lions. I'm here most mornings at seven o'clock. Yeah, and at Power Hours. And Power Hours, yes. Okay, that's what I'll plug. Do it. I'll do it. So, uh, yeah, if you're in the Toronto area, uh, I'm doing a class that combines meditation, movement through, you know, uh, workout type things like kettlebells and box jumps and you know things you might see at a CrossFit gym uh, so you know mixing movement and mindfulness together in a unique way and really good music too mm -hmm. we get we do we definitely uh, don't play the clean versions of hip-hop songs in, no. in this class so so it's, it's kind of an interesting mashup anyway I do that every Thursday at 7 a.m. Uh, and uh, I love that class because I think it, it's been a long time coming where I felt like it, it, the confidence is not the right word, but I felt that the world was ready to mm -hmm. do a little more focused mindfulness practice in conjunction with a workout. And um, it, it's been going really well. A lot of people come out for it. So if you've never tried that class before, just, just pop in. 
you know, a little bit earlier than 7 a.m. on a Thursday, and we'll just sign you up uh, for uh, for free. You could do one for free, see if you like it. If you like it, come back for more. It's a great way to get your mindfulness practice in at the beginning of the day. That's it changes your, your day. Workout. It's amazing. It totally does. It's and amazing. then also your Monday morning coaching is tar- you're, it's not actual mindfulness, but you're breathing, bringing the breathing and the I snuck it in there. I that. snuck it in there because when when we lift heavy or we do handstands, it makes anything total like that, sense. Yeah, you, you, the breath plays an incredible role just in terms of how you control your your diaphragm, build internal pressure. So you know we use some some breath practice. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily to relax you, although that comes along with it, but just to understand how breath affects your ability to create strength and tension within the body. Yeah. Necessary to lift uh, big ass weights, and everybody, you know, wants to get stronger and stronger. But sometimes it's about getting, uh, you know, stiller and quieter and breathing a little bit. And again, everybody seems to be a little more relaxed going into the workout, which is a great. Uh, thing to be, so I, I believe in it, and uh, you know I don't plug too many things on on these uh, podcasts, really, like on on my end. Uh, but I definitely will plug this because I really believe in it. And in a world that's getting more crazy and crazy with social media and the amount of screens that we all uh, use on a daily basis, um, I really believe that everybody needs to be a mental athlete as much as they are a uh, you know a CrossFit athlete or a you know any other kind of athlete. Awesome. So uh, hit us up, academylions.com. That's pretty much all there is to it. Okay. Thanks, everybody. We won't wait as long for the next one. All right. Okay. See you later. Bye. Bye.